Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sales Pro Network podcast. My name is Jeff Goldberg. I'm your host and the founder of the Sales Pro Network. I am a sales coach and trainer, and I work with both individuals and organizations to help them get measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network to be a place where salespeople can come and learn, network, uh, ask questions, get great coaching, and really to elevate the profession of sales and to help you make more money. And if you've been with us at all for a while, you know that every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, we do a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales. And once again, I brought you somebody who can do exactly that. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Ellen Violette. Good morning, Ellen. Hi. Good to see you this morning. Uh, nice before we get here. started with questions, could, could you just share with us maybe the two-minute version of your background? What brought you up to this point? The two-minute version is I always wanted to write a book. Uh, I almost died about 20 years ago. Um, I was like most people who say I'm going to write a book someday. And a book literally saved my life because Western medicine didn't know how to help me. And I won't go into the details on that because that's another story. But um, but it was a book called Detox or Die. And um, we completely changed our lives, you know, health-wise after that. Wow. And... Um, I had been in the music business for 20 years. My parents passed away within 11 months of each other. And I had a recording studio that was in our house and I had to sell the house. So I lost my living. And uh, after that, we were buying, fixing and selling houses because we moved right as the market was taking off and we saw that we could make money doing that. So I knew how to make a killing, but I didn't know how to make a living. So we took a property management job. And we were just trying to stop the bleed of the money going out from the sale of the house. And uh, after a while, because it's a long—that's another long story. But um, finally, I said after I got sick, it was like, okay, I've always wanted to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And at that point, digital books were, you know, only a few years old. And I knew I wanted to include or just do a digital book. And so I went looking for somebody who could teach me that. And there, there really wasn't anybody. Nobody was doing that. There were no coaches doing that who were, you know, calling themselves ebook coaches. So I became the first ebook, like known as the ebook coach uh, in the world. And uh, my business took off very quickly. And I made a six-figure income in like two, two and a half years. But then the recession hit, a lot of things happened, and I didn't understand the entrepreneurial jury at, um, journey at all. I mean, I had no background in business. So this was all new to me, and so I really struggled. And um, I learned a lot of lessons along the way, but it was really painful a lot of the time in the middle because once you've had big success and then you're not having it and you're struggling – uh, that was, you know, that was really hard. So um, even after 10 years, you know, they say it takes about 10 years to become an expert. I mean, I know I was an expert as far as what I knew how to teach, but it took me a long time to get good at marketing and sales. God, I think it does for most people. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're if you're watching us live, please put uh, say hello in the comments. If you're watching us on Facebook and you have not connect, connected your account to StreamYard, we're not going to know who you are. Same thing if you're watching us live on LinkedIn or YouTube. So please do say hello and put your name in the comments. If you're watching mm -hmm. us on replay, 
please, please put replay in the comments. And if you have any questions for Ellen, please put those in the comments too. We'll make sure that we get to those. So Ellen, let's start at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Why should somebody write a book, especially salespeople? Why should somebody write a book to grow their business? Well, I've actually worked with a lot of people who are, uh, for instance, in the real estate area in sales, right? And let's say that you are trying to get a listing and somebody else is trying to get a listing and one agent has the book and the other agent doesn't have a book. Who do you think is going to get the listing? Right. I mean, I guess the person with the book, right? Because they have right, credibility. The person, exactly. The person with the book. Um, I have I just recently interviewed somebody where she said she w had a speaking opportunity uh, many years ago and there was another woman who was another speaker and the other woman had a book and she didn't. The other woman got paid more money. So the reason to write a book is that it gives you that authority. It gives you the, um, the credibility. It also helps you make a bigger impact because you can reach more money. Like you can't be everywhere, right? And uh, you can make more money. And it's also a lasting legacy. You know, it never goes away. I mean, we still read books that are hundreds of years old. Wow, absolutely. I know, I, I've, I found it interesting personally uh, that anybody can write a book. And when you do, people think that you're somehow more knowledgeable, more credible. I mean, I, I've written too, and I'm always stunned when people want my autograph or, mm -hmm. or make a big deal out of it because I know I'm, I'm just a guy who wrote a couple of books. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, I, I completely get what you're saying. But good morning to Steve Kent, by the way. Good morning, Ben Gibbs. Good to see you, my friend. Good morning, Heidi Felix and Keith Ginsburg. You just connected your account to StreamYard, so I actually know who you are. Good, good morning, Keith Ginsburg. Well, um, the so reason, let me tell you the reason people think that is because 81% of people want to write a book and less than 2% ever will. And get this, this, is those, this was the real stunner for me, was of those 2%, only 3% ever finish a book. Wow. So very few even get started. And yeah. those who get started, very few of those actually finish the book. Right. And people don't realize that, especially if they're on in the internet and they're in their um in social media a lot, you think, oh, everybody's written a book. No, everybody hasn't written a book. <laughs> everybody wants to. Right. I got it. So salespeople, like most people, are incredibly busy, at least if they're going to be successful, they are. Mm -hmm. How can they actually get a book done? How do you find the time to do that? Oh, I love that question. Uh, there's a couple ways. One way is to have somebody ghostwrite it for you. The thing, though, is in this day and age, people want authenticity. They want to hear it in your voice. So, And you're the expert. So to me, it makes no sense to hire somebody to go and do the research to write a book for you if you're the expert, right? So instead, what we do is we interview the person. But what most people do is they just interview the person. The way that I work, regardless of which way I'm working with somebody, and I've worked with people very, all, a lot of different ways. I just did a book with somebody where he had written a lot of articles, and we took the articles, put them into the outline, and then we wrote the rest of the book around what, he, what I already had. But, um, but I much prefer to do it in interviews because then it's, you're not writing around other things. It's, it's actually harder to do that. But um, to, then it is to start from scratch. But um, what I do with my clients, regardless of where they are in the process when they come to me, is to do a marketing and visibility study first. 
And the reason you want to do that is because you want to know what's already been written. That's first of all. I mean, I, I had a chiropractor come to me and he'd already written his book. And we went into Kindle, we're looking around and we, I see this other book and I go, this sounds just like your book. And he says, oh, no, no, mine's different. Mine has, you know, this and that and my system and all this. And I go, well, I can't tell that from your title. And you told me that this guy is the go-to guy. So if I know he's the go-to guy and yours sounds like his, I'm going to buy his. So one of the things we have to do is figure out what people want that they're not getting. And then how are you um, different from what's already out there? And then how are you going to supply what it is that people want? So we're trying to find that sweet spot between what people still are looking for, what you can offer, and then how do we find the right words to explain it so they want to buy it. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is that when you publish in Amazon, you get seven keywords in two categories. You actually get 10, but for some reason there's only two there and then you have to call them if you want more. But, um, but you've got to get the right ones. So sometimes people don't have clarity around their titles and what their book's about. For instance, I worked with a woman and her book was actually about the afterlife, but her title was about death. And so her keywords were about death. And I said, nobody's going to be able to find your book under afterlife because you, you said it's about death. And not only that, but Amazon's not going to like it and the, and the customers aren't going to like it because they think they're buying a book about death and then they get into it and it's not about death. So, you know, it's a misstep all the way around and then you're not mm. going to sell any books or you're going to get lots of refunds. And that's even a bigger disaster if you have put it in Ingram Spark and you get it into book um, bookstores because if nobody's buying it, they can return it and then you got to pay them back all the money. So you definitely want to make sure that your book connects to your audience and to what your book is about. So that's really important. So that's the first step. And then the second thing I have people do is write their title before they write their book, if they can. Like if sometimes if it's just, you know, still needs to simmer, maybe we just have a working title. But I think it's really important because when you're writing the book, you want to keep coming back to what the title is. So you're putting stuff in that actually should go in that book. Like sometimes what people do is they get off topic. You know, and so that brings the, the title keeps bringing them back. The other thing that brings them back is the outline. That's the third thing. So the third thing is the more detailed your outline is, the easier it is to write your book. So I have a process called the three-day bestseller, and I teach people what to do first. I'm getting some feedback. Are you hearing that or no? No, ma'am. Okay, good. So... um I teach people how to actually write a book in three days. But the, re the reason they're able to do that is because, first of all, the outline is so detailed that you're literally filling in the blanks. That's first of all. And second of all, there are things that I teach people not to do that a lot of authors do. And one of the things that authors do, I was just on a post yesterday going through this, where somebody said, oh, I start with a brain dump. I never want my clients to do a brain dump. My experience with brain dumps and people who do them for the most part is they just get overwhelmed by all this material that's completely unorganized. Or they do book research before they've written the book, but they don't really know clearly what the book is going to be. 
So now they're researching and researching and researching, and then they get overwhelmed by all this unorganized material, first of all. And second of all, they don't really know what they're looking for. And so they might um, not use most of it anyway, but it's also an excuse not to get started writing, mm. right? Because you're just researching and researching and you don't know what you're looking for. So you just keep researching. Yeah. Salespeople do the same thing quite often when they're cold calling. They do a ton of research and they make very few calls. So I completely get what you're saying. Oh, you actually yeah. say that yeah. you actually say that writing a great title is more important than writing a great book, right? Yes, absolutely. Got it. A great title and a great cover. Because if you don't have those two things, people will never look inside. That makes you'll, sense. you'll never get anywhere. What if what if somebody has never written at all and thinks they have little or maybe no ability to write? How does actually one get started and, and how do they come up with enough content for an entire book? Well, first of all, the clients that I work with know their material. Like you can't do a book in three days if you don't know your material. So a lot of times what people will say to me who are very accomplished, I don't know what to write about. And I'll say, well, when you work with clients, how do you help them? And especially like if they have a system, you know, in place that they help them with, that's your book. Like they have a disconnect between what they do and what they're going to write about. It's really all there in their mind. They just don't realize it. They just need me to pull it out. You know, that's the first thing. What was the rest of the question? Well, how do they come up with enough content? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is they have the content from having worked with their clients and helped them. That's how they have the content. Uh, the other way is if you're, you know, newer, you're getting started, it's doing research. It's figuring out, you know, what's out there, what works, what doesn't work. But, but I think it is better. I mean, if you're, especially if you're writing a sales book or something, you want to be teaching people what, what you are good at so that they want to hire you. And this is another thing that people miss. So many times authors will come to me and they've written a book already, or they're writing a book, or they're thinking about writing a book. And they haven't thought about what's their call to action. Well, what's the purpose of your book? The purpose of your book is to get people to take the next step with you. And if you don't know what the next step is, how are you going to write the book so that it leads them to the next step? You can't. So we always start with what do you want people to do? What, and what's the goal of the book? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with this book? I see. So I introduced myself as saying I'm, I'm a sales coach who helps people get measurable and sustainable sales increases, that should be the topic of my book. Right, exactly. And the yeah, call I mean, to action would be, would be I want people book? to contact me to become my clients so I can coach them. Uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't say it that way. You would either, you, you would do it one of two ways. I mean, one thing you want to think about, if you're selling a lot of books, you don't want people calling you. Or you want some kind of process to make sure that you're only talking to qualified leads, Right. Um, the other way is to have something that's more passive that then gets them to maybe a survey or something where you can qualify them. Or to have some so, type, rather than calling me, have some type of online product or program. Right, right? exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, so, some kind of in between so that you are not overwhelmed by sales calls. Makes sense. Now, yeah. you actually guarantee that you can help anyone become a best-selling author. How do you do that? How do you guarantee anybody can be an author, bestseller? Um, because when you set it up so that you know exactly what your audience wants, where you know the language that they use, where you know 
part of it, I mean, with me is my experience too. I mean, I know how to write great titles and I also know how to write great subtitles. And one of the thing issues that I see so often, and I, I have taught uh, workshops where I can talk for hours about how to do a title and some people still can't write a title. I, I don't know. It's just so, their brain just doesn't work that way. They'll write a subtitle and they think it's a title. And the difference between a title and a subtitle is that the subtitle tells you the benefit of what people are going to get. The title should tie into that, but really the, the title is to hook them and to help them remember it. So like if I'm on a podcast or I'm on an interview and somebody's driving in a car, they may not be able to write down the name of my book. So you want it to be memorable. You want them to easily be able to later on go and find it. So that's why short titles and longer subtitles are the norm. Mm. So the title of my selling skills program that I, I teach uh, all the time is conversational selling skills. So my book title would be conversational selling skills. And the subtitle might be how to have better conversations to increase your sales. Um, it might be. But the second part is you test them. You test your titles to see which ones do better, right? I mean, it's like you want to come up with maybe, well, and, so, and sometimes it does just work out that it is exactly the name of the of the program. I have a client, uh, he's a relationship coach, and his program was Argue Less, Love More. And, you know, we tried out a whole bunch of different titles, and in the end, we said, no, it's going to be the same as as the course. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Good morning, Don Levine, our executive recruiter. Um, what is the 10-10-10 principle? Oh, I love the 10-10-10 principle. Um, the 10-10-10 principle is how you make decisions. So one of the reasons that people don't have time to write is because writing, unless, unless you learn my system, uh, writing People think, oh, it takes a long time to write a book, right? So then they say, okay, well, I don't have time to write a book. And so they keep putting it off and they don't write the book. But when you do the 10, 10, 10, which is how, you know, how is it going to affect me and how am I going to feel about it in 10 minutes, in 10 months, in 10 years, so that you start thinking more long-term about what you really want. Because when you don't, what happens is, you end up somewhere you never expected to end up and you go, how the hell did I get here? Right? Because you weren't intentional about where you were trying to go. And that happened to me. I mean, I've been doing this 17 years, but when I started, nobody ever said to me, where do you want to be in 10 years? Nobody ever said to me, what do you want your ideal day to look like? I mean, that came along a lot later. When I got into this business, people were just trying to still figure it out. Like there were no, there weren't a whole lot of experts you know, who were teaching what they teach now. I mean, so many times I'll go into a course in the last two to four years where I go, God, I wish I'd had this 10 years ago, you know, but it didn't exist 10 years ago. Got it. Yeah. Um, so how do you get the right people to buy your book? Oh, good question. Uh, the right people are, you have to know who your ideal clients are, right? That's the first thing. And then what I suggest doing is you have to figure out where they hang out. You know, what do they go to conferences? Are they online? And sometimes it's both, you know, where are they? Where, where are they? You know, is it referrals? 
Uh, my business is a lot of my high end business has been referrals. So it's very important for me to network because that's how I'm going to get referrals. Right. I, I would imagine that. I mean, that's the same in sales, right? It is. Yeah. So, you know, if you know that's, that's where they are, then you have to figure that out. But then you also have to figure out, it, it goes as a step beyond that, which is like what, like, let's say, again, to go back to real estate, what level are you selling at? Are you selling, you know, multi-million dollar houses? Or are you selling $400,000 houses? You know, you're going to have a different audience. And so you have to find out where they are. So it takes some research and it takes some trial and error. You know, you got to go to some different groups, see who's there. Makes sense. Um, what makes your particular approach different? Why should someone use your proven three-day system uh, for creating a bestseller over a much longer one? Uh, there's a few reasons. One, and, uh, and uh, I have found this through experience working with hundreds of authors which is the longer they take to write the book, the less chance there is that they're going to finish. Period. The longer they take to write the book. Okay. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. People lose steam over time. Right. They lose steam over time. And the second thing that happens is, especially for entrepreneurs, is that, and I'm sales, I don't know if sales is exactly the same as entrepreneurs. I mean, I have to know sales. I don't know if sales have to know entrepreneurship. But, um, but if you're a lifetime learner and you're growing and you're changing, you start writing a book and then 10 months later, and I've seen this so often where they go, oh, I'm not in the same place I was when I started that. Now I want to write this other book because now I'm more interested in this, you know, than in what they were interested 10 months ago. So uh, that's why you want to get it down when you're feeling it, you know, so that you, yeah, so that you finish. Yeah. So I think I was confused. So when I first read three day system, I thought you could teach me how to do it in three days, but you're saying you can actually write a book in three days. Yeah. You can write the book in three days. Wow. Yeah. Actually the learning is a little, is longer than that, but the writing is three days. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. So how, how does actually somebody, I, I mean, I, I know lots of people who have written books and you know, most of them never make a penny from it. They really were just doing it for the credibility anyways. But I think anybody who does write a book would love to make money with it. So how does somebody who writes a book actually turn that into making money? And how can salespeople turn writing a book into attracting high-end clients? Well, again, see, the only experience that I have is in real estate. Like we used to buy, fix, and sell houses. We did it ourselves. So we were definitely in sales. But the whole thing is um, with home staging, like we didn't have to sell our houses. They sold themselves, right? So the first thing I would say is the less you have to sell, the better, like have a really great product that you're selling. That, that's first of all. Um, and then second of all, like I said, you know, write a book. But um, talk about it. You know, talk about the book. Like one of the things that people don't do, and I, I used to be guilty of this, uh, was I would never mention my books. Like, you know, when, when I say you can write a book in three days, I have a, um, a workbook that is literally fill in the blanks. It's called Real Easy Ebook Workbook. So see, I'm mentioning my book. Okay, here, I can even show it to you. I forget sometimes because when I'm using a virtual background, you can't see it, but here, can you see it? Okay, here we can, can. see it. Yes. Okay, see. wait a minute. Back a little bit, yep. Yeah. There you go. Okay, there it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's literally, it's a workbook and you fill it in, you know. But um, what was I going to say about that? 
Well, I, I was asking about how to turn the book into oh, high-end clients or how to make how to really make money with it. So your right, first thing is right. mention it. So the first thing, yeah, is to mention it. I mean, when you're on sales calls, give give books away. Give them away. It's like if people get a business card versus a book, they're going to throw out a business card. They're going to keep the book. And sometimes they may never read it, but guess what? Even if they just put it on the shelf like you have behind you, and you've got the name of the book on the spine and your name, they remember you. That's what's important. Because they may not need what you have right this minute, but then when they need it, they're going to remember you because you gave them a book and it's somewhere where they see it. And people don't like throwing out books for the most part. So, so the money might not come from the actual sales of the book. No, it comes from you making the sales of what you're selling. Ah, now we're talking. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Now Good that morning. doesn't mean that doesn't mean there aren't people who don't make a lot of money, you know, selling books. But here's the thing: the average author who makes a six-figure income with books has 28 books. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of books. Yeah, that, that sounds like almost a full-time job. Well, not really if you can yeah. write them in three days. Yeah. Uh, Pete Ekstrom says, "Good morning, Jeff." He's written a book, Hello. I think more than one. And Mitch Tobel, who is a marketing expert, says. It, mm -hmm. A book is a great marketing tool. It's social mm -hmm. proof. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between grit and hustle? We got into this conversation in, in, my, uh, in my group. And um, I, I really wanted to talk about it because uh, to me, they're very different things. And there were people who did not understand what I was saying at all because they thought it was the same thing. To me, hustle is when you're like all over the place. You're working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. You're neglecting your family. You're neglecting your life and you're exhausted. To me, that's hustle. Grit is when you know what your goals are and you are focused and you take care of yourself and you do what you have to do for those goals. I'm on this call right now. It is seven. It was 7 a.m. in the morning. I am a night person. Okay, but grit is I'm willing to show up because I want to get my message out. Do I want to get up at six o'clock every morning? No. <laughs> Would I ever do that? No, but I have grit. I don't quit. I'm here. I show Got up. It, yeah, my, my coach defines grit as doing what you need to do, even though you don't want to do it. Right, exactly. But it's focused. It's not all over the place. To me, hustle is all over the place, going after shiny objects. It's thinking you're working hard when what you're really doing is creating busy work. Okay. Uh, and and you, you started talking about this a little bit before. Could you go, maybe go into a little more depth? How important is doing market research before writing a book? It's critical. If you want to know that it's going to be successful. I mean, the reason I know, like I have a hundred percent success rate when we've taken authors to number one, why do I know, why have I been able to do that? I mean, I actually have a, a company that has run the back end of my uh, book launches for years. And the way that we met was I had a client and she told them that she was working with me and she was going to be a number one bestseller. And they said, yeah, sure. Like they were skeptical because they had tried to get people to number one and they did not have a hundred percent success rate doing it. So they were like, how can you know in advance that you're going to be a number one bestseller? Well, um, so they, so I took her to number one and then they wanted to know how do I do that? 
I said, I do it by doing the marketing research. It's, it's data, it's numbers. I'm not guessing. I know who's number one in the, in the, um, in the category that they, that they're trying to get to or that they're in. And I know how many, what we have to do in order to pass it. And I, and I know whether we can pass it or not. Like sometimes there are books that are so huge, you know, some of these books like the four agreements, you know, or books that are, that are like, you know, Amazon has millions of books and maybe they're in the top 200, you know, of all of Amazon. I know we can't beat that, you know, so I'm just honest with people. I go, you can't beat that. So you either have to change categories or know that that's not going to be number one paid. You can get to number one free, maybe, you know, so I, I read the numbers and I know what categories. And another one is memoirs. Like so people want to write memoirs. I tell them, don't write a memoir because you're not already famous. People aren't going to buy it and you'll never get the visibility for people to even see it. So if you're telling life lessons in your memoir, then make it life lessons in your title. But stay away from memoirs because you can't sell it. Yeah, I don't think anybody's interested in learning about reading about my life, although, you know, a famous right, movie right. star or something. Yeah, or, right, exactly. Got it. Okay. And, and when somebody implements your process for writing a book, how, how does that change their life? One of the things that one of my clients said to me, it's such a thrill, actually, when they, you know, when it, you know, you spend that time and you put it together and it's your baby and all of a sudden it, you know, people are loving it. Um, it's a huge rush for one thing, you know, the, the first thing. And he said to me, oh my God, it's like winning the, the uh, world weight, you know, heavyweight championship of the world. No one can ever take it away from you. So it's just like, you know, whenever you hear about an actor and they say Oscar winning actor, right? It's number one best-selling author. So-and-so, it gives you that authority. It gives you that credibility. It gives you more confidence. It opens doors. And that's why my company is Books Open Doors, because that's what I saw happening for my clients every time we would do a book. So it gets them on stages if they want to be on stages. It gets you know them into people's houses if they're selling something and they can show them a book. It gives people more uh, feeling of trust with you, you know, that you're not fly by night, especially in sales, I would think. Yeah. It's also an amazing feeling of accomplishment. My, my books aren't number yeah. one bestsellers, but you know, I, I, I can still remember both times, you know, when, when you get that box delivered to your home or your office and you open it up and you see your book for the first time. Right. I mean, for me, it was surreal. I'm like, that's my name on that book. I can't, I wrote that. I can't believe it. It's this amazing feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, it is. An, it is and like you said, feeling. nobody can ever take that away from you. It's forever. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. You, you, you talked earlier uh, a little bit about um, the entrepreneurial journey and, and uh, some people are completely unprepared for the entrepreneurial journey and for I was. success. And yeah. what are some of the, what are some of the lessons and changes you made to avoid depression from that? I didn't avoid depression. I actually wrote a book called how to crush it in business without crushing your spirit, how entrepreneurs can overcome depression and find success. And I got very depressed. And what I also happened is I heard other entrepreneurs like you wouldn't know, you wouldn't see this in those days on Facebook, but you would hear through the grapevine how unhappy some of the people who were making tons of money, millionaires, 
were miserable. I mean, I once heard Russell Brunson tell his story. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's huge in internet marketing. And he was saying how he had built this company and he had 60 employees and he was making millions of dollars and he couldn't get out of bed. He was so depressed because he had created a job that he hated. And so he blew it up and started over. But I didn't hear that story until I'd already gone through my own. I wish I'd heard that story again, like I was saying, years earlier. But um, so what I did was I collected stories of diff from different entrepreneurs who had gone through different things with depression. And we put that book together because I'm not an expert on depression, but I wanted to learn about depression and I wanted to help other people in the entrepreneurial space learn ways to curb depression. But one of the reasons that I got so depressed was that nobody talked about the entrepreneurial journey in the early days. And uh, one of my mentors, which I think this is brilliant, another thing I wish I had known back then, was, was that when you go to school, you get rewarded for not failing, right? You get rewarded for A's and B's. And so you don't learn that it's okay to fail. You don't learn that failing helps you to learn a lesson and get better at something. And so the people who are really good in school, like me, actually end up having a harder time because they're not used to failing and they don't know how to handle it. And they don't understand, like I do now, that it's just a lesson. And so instead, and, and part of it too is sometimes you fail and you don't get the lesson, like you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have someone to point it out to you, then what happens is, which happened to me, was I kept making the same mistakes over and over. Or what happened to me at other times was like I did a summit. Um, I did three of them, and I made 16 grand, and I made 20 grand, and the third one I didn't make a dime. I lost money. And, I, and what happened was the market changed. The way people were doing it changed, and I didn't know that. So in the early days, we were charging for the summit, and then by the third time, people were actually giving the summit for free and then, and then um, charging for the recordings if people wanted them. So the whole, the whole model had changed. And uh, that's one of the issues today. I mean, information and marketing changes so quickly, but writing a book doesn't change. That's one of the reasons I love it also, because I go on so many of these marketing calls and you know, constantly staying up on what's working, what's not working, and it's constantly changing, and it's it can be exhausting. It's like, oh my God, this worked last week, now this doesn't work. Or like doing challenges. I learned how to do challenges. I did two of them last year. Um, I did one in January, I did one in July. And even like by July, I was already seeing people doing it differently than the way that they were doing it at the beginning of the year. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's insane. But a book? Can't go wrong with a book. Got it. You, you mentioned earlier, I think one of the do's are about writing a book. What are some of the other do's and don'ts Got about him. book writing? Um, some of the other do's and don'ts. Um, well, my main ones are, like I said, you know, don't do the research, don't do the book research before you write your book, do the marketing research. Um, the other one is scheduling. So, I mean, when, when I work with clients, what I, what I hope they'll do is, you know, take that block of time, like a three-day period. And some people, it's more than three days. Some, some it's four or five days, but, um, but you can do it in three if you really know your stuff. 
but because uh, I, I have written a book in three days, it's called 21 Simple Strategies to Jumpstart Your Book Marketing Online. And every book, you know, is different, right? That one is just a series of, you know, strategies and they're just listed. So it didn't, it wasn't hard to write it. So every book is different. Um, but I tell people, you know, go to a hotel for three or four days, you know, like get rid of all the distractions or send your family away, you know, and write at home if you're more comfortable doing that. But it's the focus that, that makes it possible. It's the focus. And if you can't do it and if, if you don't have that block of time, can you do it in, you know, two weekends? But again, you know, it's like the more times you come away from it and then you come back and you go, then you have to go, where was I? What was I thinking? Uh, writing that book that I was saying with one of my colleagues that I helped him with, where we had to do it around the articles and then he had to go away for 10 days. And then we came back. It took us over half an hour just to remember what we were doing. I mean, that's just, you know, burning time. So those are really the main things. It's not hard. You know, there's just a few rules that you have to follow to make this work. Yeah. There's a concept that I teach salespeople called calendarization, which is everything should go on your calendar. Absolutely. And it sounds like the same thing here. You know, if you're going to schedule the time to actually write the book and get it done rather than I'm going to do it someday. Exactly. But did, was I really clear about 10, 10, 10? Because that's a big part of it too, which is, yes, you have to schedule it, but you also have to prioritize it and understand that whether you do it in three, and the reason I was saying that is a, like, whether you do it in three days or you do it in three weeks or you do it in three months, I mean, everybody is going to do what they're going to do, how they want to do it. My structure works no matter how they decide to do it time-wise. Um, if you don't understand the longer value of it, you're going to keep putting it off. Got it. And uh, our friend Mitch Tobel said, yes, uh, the entrepreneurial journey is both overwhelming and yeah, exhilarating yeah, at the exactly. same time. Yeah. I think anybody well, who's I try tried to, to make it, I try to make it as un, uh, overwhelming as possible. Got it. How, how does somebody use LinkedIn? One of my favorite tools for selling. How does somebody use LinkedIn to launch a book? I am not, uh, LinkedIn is not my thing, but I do have a podcast and I did interview somebody on how she used LinkedIn to, to do her book. So if people are interested in that, you can go to booksopendoors.com forward slash podcast and I can find it and you can maybe put it in the notes or something, but that's not my thing. Um, I don't find LinkedIn to be very social, <laughs> frankly. And um, I find that people mostly are just spamming me to buy from them or do whatever it is they want me to do. And that never is going to happen. So uh, I'm much more on Facebook. Got it. And can people use Facebook to, to launch a book? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we, when we, I shouldn't say that. I mean, when we launch a book, like if I'm helping a client launch a book, I mean, I'm going to put it in all my social media. So it's going to be on Pinterest, it's going to be on LinkedIn, it's going to be on Facebook, it's going to be on Instagram, it's going to be on Twitter, you know, it's going to be everywhere that I am. So it's not like you can only use one thing, but um, there are so many different ways to market books. And so when I work with clients, what I really look for is what do they like to do? You know, where are they going to shine? It's, it's like you want to enhance what people are good at and help them to do it in a way that's going to uh, 
like I said, make them shine, you know, make them look good and make people want to buy their books. So not everybody has the same skills. Not everybody uh, feels comfortable doing the same things. And one thing I've found is if people don't get that something is doable, they're not going to do it. So for instance, um, I'm a perfect example. I mean, I have gone from thing to thing to thing with different marketing, you know, tactics over the years and looking at, okay, you have to look at a, a couple of things. Where are you in the journey and what are you comfortable doing? So for instance, like if you don't have a lot of money to spend, like ads are not going to work for the most part. And most people don't know how to do them right anyway. And then what they do is they go and they hire somebody who doesn't know their business and they usually end up wasting money. So if you're going to do that, like you really need to work with somebody who teaches that and is at the top of their game. And the guy that I know who I think is the best is Keith Krantz. So if people want to do um, ads, but uh, it, you know, for doing organic, uh, again, it's like, you know, how much energy do you have? Are you willing to sit there for a one day event or a three day event? Are you willing to, uh, you know, do a book tour that's offline? Are you willing, you know, what are you willing to do? Because it has to be something you are willing to do. And so there's so many times where, I mean, and I've even spent money, like thousands of dollars on programs and they don't tell you what the catch is. And then all of a sudden you go, oh crap. Yeah, here's the piece that I would never do, right? And now I've spent this money and I'm, you know, stuck with it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm never going to do this, you know, or somebody tells you, oh, it's so easy or, oh yeah, you can do it this way or that way. And then you get into the program and then they go, oh, you really can't do it the first way, which was the way I wanted to do it. But you, but the second way works really way better. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't want to do the second way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so, um, so I've learned to be very discerning and, uh, really checking people out, making sure that I've, that I know what I'm getting into. I think, you know, I think that's really important. I think people have to do their due diligence. And I think part of the problem, I'm getting a little bit off the subject, but I think this is important that, you know, there's so many people now, and I just saw a post on this yesterday too, where people put out their shingle and call themselves an experts and they've been doing what they do for five minutes. You know, I've been doing what I do for 17 years. So, you know, sometimes people will get screwed because they spent money with people who don't really know what they, what they're doing, or they only know a little kind of enough to like, look like they know what they're doing. I only work with people who are like at the top of their game, you know, people who are well-established people who a lot of 90% uh, of the time are refer, you know, that I've, that I either know about, or I've worked, you know, I've worked with in some capacity or something, but this business of, and I see this a lot oh, you wrote a book, you know, will you teach me how to write a book? Like, that's a terrible way to find a book coach. <laughs> you got it. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's crucial that, that uh, people figure out what they're good at and, and, and stick with it. But I, I think also what you said brilliant was, uh, what you just said was brilliant. Um, mm. So many times I've done the same thing that you have. I've invested in a course or bought a book mm -hmm. to, to learn something and then only to learn, oh, in order to do this thing, I'm going to have to do this, that, and the other thing. Not going to do it. I teach the same thing when I'm teaching salespeople how to prospect. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different ways how to prospect. Uh, if you're not willing to do them, then what's the use? You know, find right. something that you're. I say try everything and stick with what works. But it's got to be something you're willing to do. Like some people are not willing to pick up the phone and cold call. Well, if you're not right. willing to cold call, then don't cold call. Do something different. Get get good at something else so that you can still attract prospects or write a book. 
Right. Or like in my instance, I mean, I, I don't think cold calling would work very well for trying to get book clients. Somehow that does, you know, it's like, I think most people just, if you pick up the phone, oh, like a salesperson, I said, oh, you want to write a book? Like that's the farthest thing from their mind, you know? So you, uh, it's a lot easier to sell people who are aware that at least maybe they don't know about you, but they know something about the area that you're in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, people who are entrepreneurs or people I know, like a lot of people in real estate do know that a book helps them. So, you know, people who already know that are, are more my ideal clients and people that I would have to educate that it's even a thing, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Ralph Pop is saying, uh, let's see, the common thing I'm hearing is you have to be willing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. If, you, if you're not willing to do the work, just like even if it's only three days, if you're not willing to do the work, you're still not going to get your book written. Yes? Right. And I will say this, something I've learned about commitment. This was a really great lesson. I started my podcast in 2019. I, well, actually, no, that's not right. I started it in 2018 and it was in October and I did seven of them and I, and I thought, oh, that's going to take me for so long, seven weeks, you know, and it went by like that. It just went by so fast. And then I was like, oh my God. And then I realized this is a lot of work. And then it was in January of that year that somebody told me I should take Russell Brunson's One Funnel Away Challenge. And so I got into that and I got away from the podcast. But I, it was still, it was on my mind because I enjoyed it. Like, I love these kind of interactions and hanging out with you and everything. It's my favorite thing to do. And so I was thinking, I really like the idea of it, but it's a lot of work. How am I going to do this? And I realized that it took me from January till like June to finally say to myself, okay, I'm committed. And once I was committed, I started doing it and I did it every week. I think I missed one or two weeks from 2019 to, na to now. I think I've missed two weeks, you know, in all that time. But, um, but it, was, it, was, it didn't happen until I made the commitment. So yeah. that's, that's the other piece. It's like you've got to be committed. It's like once you understand how powerful a book is and you go, you have to get to that point where something in your mind clicks and you go, yes, I'm going to do this. Because you're not going to do it until that happens. And that's true for anything. I completely agree. I, I, I use that word with my coaching clients constantly, commitment. commitment. In fact, most of my coaching calls end with my clients making a promise to me about what they'll do between this call and the next one mm -hmm. uh, or the next meeting uh, in terms of prospecting. And it's never me telling them what they have to do or what they should be doing. It's just make me a promise and I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. And I always say this. I don't care what you want. I don't care what you wish for. I don't care about your hopes or dreams or anything like that. As a human being, I care about those things. But as your coach, I only care about one thing. What are you committed to? Because commitment drives everything. Yep. You can want to lose weight. You can want to make a lot of money. You can want to meet the person of your dreams. But until you're committed, it's probably just not going to happen because commitment mm -hmm. really does drive all human behavior. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Ellen, I'm going to share my screen right now. How can people reach out to you and get in touch with you if uh, they'd like to work with you? Yeah, well, it's kind of light there. But anyway, the website is booksopendoors.com. And that's the best place because um, I have a free gift for everybody. And that is the Rockstar Authors Toolkit. And then there is a checklist for writing your bestseller. 
There's a checklist for writing your bestseller title. There's a checklist for the 21 simple strategies to jumpstart your book marketing online. And the Kindle Planner, which I need to put up there, we just um, we just upgraded that one for 2022. And um, and then if you want to book a call with me, there's an out there's a uh, a questionnaire on the website as well, so people can do that. Um, I also have a Facebook group, and I do a live training every Wednesday at three. Right now, that's when it is. And that's the facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash books open doors. And they can email me, Ellen at booksopendoors.com. Perfect. Great. Ellen, thank you so much for sharing that information with us today. I'm sure half the people at least are watching this and listening, going, maybe I should write a book. Maybe I can actually do it. I mean, oh, you absolutely you can. You can. I promise. I've I've never had anybody fail. I I had one person who thought she was gonna fail. And I would always, I always say to people, if you think you're going to drop out, just email me. And I walked her through, I talked her, you know, through it where she was stuck. And years later, we were, I guess, on something where we were both there. And she said, um, thank you so much that you didn't let me quit. Wow. I think it was uh, Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or can't, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a coach like yourself to help people get through that point where they think they can't. Right, Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to do it alone. As is almost everything. Right. Right. Thank you so much for generously sharing your information with us today. I really appreciate it, Ellen. And uh, I'll end this as I always do. Please, guys, remember, sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. Thanks again, Ellen. Have a great, uh, Ellen, uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye Thanks. now.